to episode 80 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 6th of January 2020. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. I'm calling from the future. <laughs> Graham. I'm glad there is a future. And Will. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. I'm sure it's going to be great with the fucking end of the world and whatever. Way to go, Trump. So we're going to be going through our predictions from last year and making some new ones. So our 2019 predictions that we made last year, let's start with you, Graham. You said that Valve will leverage Proton to test game streaming from its own servers. Did I really use the word leverage? You may have said leverage. I don't know. It's so difficult to make a prediction that's kind of original and one that's going to be accurate. I think it it wasn't a complete failure, this one, so it didn't happen. Um, and we did get Google Stadia, or we semi got Google Stadia, I suppose. Um, so I think it's brewing. Um, and Valve did make some kind of inroads into it, it upped its game streaming game for like multiplayer games playing with other people and also dropped its hardware. It's, um, oh God, what was it called? It's little Steam box. Steam Link. That's it. Thanks, Joe. It dropped the Steam Link, but also, you know, pushed pa- packages for the Raspberry Pi um, and then pushed apps for Android and um, other platforms to be able to do the same thing. So I really think it's it's coming. There were even stories in November to say that publishing terms have, were changing um, to p- possibly take into account the future future streaming strategy from Valve. So I think I was just a little bit premature with this prediction and maybe not this year, but I definitely think it's something Valve's thinking of or perhaps waiting to see how successful Google or its competitors are. I was looking at VR headsets the other day, just as a passing interest. Like it, the, the technology fascinates me, and I'd love to own it, but it's still very expensive. So I was looking at comparisons of the various options available, and one of them, and I can't remember which one, was a wireless one, which seems to stream all of the VR uh, games from the cloud directly to this headset. So you play it without a computer. And I would... Uh, although I don't think it was um, Valve that were doing this, but I would not be at all surprised if Valve get in on that idea this year. Mm, that's a good idea. I think that the, one of the Oculus headsets, had the, well, the mobile platforms have enough power to like to do some of the most basic games. In I mean, gate basic but good, considering all the inside-out calculations they're doing. They don't even have anything scanning your position. They do it all from the cameras. Um, but I know that the wireless like if it, for the wireless headsets, um, like the Vive, HTC Vive, there's a wireless edition for that, and that takes like a really specific piece of Intel five. I can't remember what the specification is, but it's it's very close pro- proximity, high bandwidth Wi-Fi, effectively that you need to be within you know a couple of meters of the transmitter and an invisible line of sight. Um, so I think you're right, eventually, but I think that's going to take some time. Because latency, latency is a problem with Stadia and it's doubly so on a headset where they really aim to get less than four milliseconds between, the, you know, the time you move and the time they're updating the, the render and everything like that. Yeah, they need to add middle out compression to make it good <laughs> like they did in Silicon Valley. But yeah, it's called the Oculus Quest, the one you were talking about there. <sighs> it's 400 quid or 500 quid depending on the storage. I didn't know that it streamed from the cloud though. That's interesting. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it does have the processing power inside the, the headset itself, but that just boggled my mind. How can you do this? Yeah, I think it's supposed to be very good as well. Um, 
I haven't tried it, but I have tried the um, Valve's Index, which is the really expensive one. It's like a thousand pounds for the complete kit, and it, it's you know I'm really enthusiastic about VR and Valve's announcement that the um, Alex Half Life game has really divided the games community, which seems to really hate on uh, VR because there's there's such a restriction in price getting into it, even though Nvidia cards are more than the complete kit um, for the 2080 Ti's, um, but. You know, I, I, I really I excited as well, and I still really like it. it. It honestly, the immersion is genuine. It really is. I remember when you got Google Cardboard and broke your Nexus Five oh, screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> twice I did it twice. <laughs> twice, yeah. Jesus. Mm. All right, so your second one: Debian makes KDE the default desktop, or Adobe announces Creative Suite for Linux. So you very much hedged your bet on that one. <laughs> yeah, what was I thinking? Was I drinking when we did this? <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> I think I think it's kind of fun to have a moonshot prediction. Um, Adobe surely got to cave in and create some of its applications for Linux. Maybe not. Mm, I doubt it. I very much doubt it. But I think that Debian defaulting to the Plasma desktop is not outlandish. It didn't happen, but it could have done because Plasma is pretty solid and pretty well liked. And the best. Yeah, like Phelim, I think we'll agree that it's made such huge kind of progress over the last few years and, and seemingly huge increases in popularity from at least the, the kind of comments that you see. And I'm surprised, really, that there isn't a major distribution really running with it. All right, moving on to Will then. You said that Microsoft would open source Outlook and release a new browser for Linux. Almost the second one happened. They mm. announced that Edge will be coming to Linux. You can't actually use it yet. Uh, but open source and Outlook, again, kind of, well, not not almost really because no, they did release Teams, but not as open source, just as an Electron app that's proprietary. So... Yeah, why did you think this? I, I was listening back to it. You said something about um, the the fact that it's it's becoming irrelevant or something to have a, a, a standalone email client, and so they may as well open source it. Uh, yeah, well, like Graham, I was drinking at the time, so who knows why he's <laughs> making this decision. I, yeah, I, I, I still don't think that there's a whole lot of value, inherent value in a, in a closed source, fat email application. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people who will disagree with me very strongly there, but I think it's going to be a, a thing of the past before too long. I'm surprised that Microsoft's love of Linux and um, offering various olive branches to the community, like the XFAT and um, all the other bits and bobs they've done. This seems to be uh, an easy win for Microsoft and would get an enormous amount of, of goodwill. So, you know, if they were looking to win people over, then that would probably be a useful tool in their armory. Um, but yeah, I guess they don't need it that much. I don't think it's an easy win for them because open sourcing legacy proprietary software is quite difficult because the code is so fucking horrible and you have to clean it up to not be embarrassed by the state of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, if they do fall out of love with a full uh, email application, then perhaps you know it will just get thrown over the wall. But yeah, you're right. If it's still a going concern within Microsoft and um, lots of enterprise users are using it, then perhaps there are the usual scare stories about um, you know, security issues being discovered and, and things like that to, to think about as well. Uh, so your second one, surge pricing comes to public clouds for workloads with IPv4 addresses. 
So you were postulating that we're just running out of IPv4 addresses and so they're going to charge a bit more for them because still IPv6 just hasn't taken off, has it? Right, exactly. I, I would have said three or four years ago that um, you know IPv4 addresses were already very scarce and you know the the news was full of people saying we've run out and it's the end of the world and then oh there's another you know class A subnet that we've just discovered um, but I think genuinely they have run out now but it's just that the the big cloud players have got so many of them they're able to still find the new one i bet if you went to amazon and spun up a virtual machine now you'd get assigned a an ipv4 address no problem at all so yeah i i don't know what's going on i thought that they'd run out but apparently not um i still think that the idea of charging more for an ipv4 address is likely to happen in the future i think it's quite a good way of encouraging people to move to ipv6 um but i don't know they just don't seem to to be worried that much uh, to force it on people well i have five of them so i guess that's an investment opportunity that i have <laughs> <laughs> do you ever deal with ipv6 at work Fanon? no and i don't even know if there is an ISP that I think there might be one in Ireland that I could use. So it's it's not that common at all. Mm. But it, it's just going to need to happen. I, I, they can't just keep magicking IPv4 addresses, can they? Oh, NAT is perfect. So therefore, we just lots of NATed 192 networks. It'd be great. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, on that similar vein, your uh, 0.5 prediction was the Amazon backlash. Uh, come and host your code on AWS, and if it's successful, we'll just steal it. Um, so you're basically saying that people were going to have an, uh, a backlash against Amazon. That has somewhat happened, but ultimately, we're all still buying shit and still running stuff on AWS. People fucking suck. <laughs> um, I mean, I was even going as far as there's like all the marketplace sellers, like the third-party marketplace sellers who would find that, Amazon is actually stealing their ideas for what they're selling. Sorry, competing really well and vigorously <laughs> and finding out because they've got full access to all their stock info that they'd sell. And then um, they were like, loads of marketplace people were complaining of the fact that all their uh, customers were essentially getting bought out by Amazon, or not bought out, but they were stepping in and doing their own sales on it. Um, and, you know, I even saw a documentary maybe about a week ago from the um, Washington Post, I think it was, and they had seen all the, like, thrown away food that has been cleaned up and sold by third-party sellers. <laughs> and they're using using the uh, fulfilled by Amazon thing as a way that people think that Amazon is selling it when, in fact, no, it isn't. It's just they get a wee shelf inside the Amazon center and they pay for it and they can pre-stock that in. And then Amazon gets to do all the deliveries for you and all that and gives this kind of gray area like Amazon is making this product available when really it's from a, a trash can somewhere. So, uh, yeah, if you bought food on Amazon, enjoy that. I hope it was tasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So your first proper one was that Ubuntu 19.10 would be a fully snaptainerized distro similar to Atomic. Uh, aiming for the 2004 LTS. And it was just, that was obviously not going to happen. We just knew it wasn't going to happen, and it didn't happen. They have Ubuntu Core for that. I can't say much, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Will, with a little bit of distance now, 
can you ever see the main edition of Ubuntu being pure Snap? I don't think so. I think the desktop distribution has Snaps which serve a purpose for you know, leaf node applications, the the sort of self-contained applications that you might run in your desktop, and that works well. For everything else, there's Debs. Um, when I had left Canonical, the thinking there was that Debs are going to be in use for the foreseeable future, that there's nothing broken inherently in the Debs system, and it's a really good and reliable and known way of building a desktop or a server OS and, and having it work and be reliable and all the tooling existing. So honestly, I don't think it will ever happen for the main release. I think it will happen when indeed it has happened for Ubuntu Core. Um, and we might see a bit more of that maybe with some, some extra use cases uh, or some sp- sort of specific markets in mind. But I don't think that the the main release will ever be all snaps. Graeme, you work on the snap team. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think I think Will's absolutely right. When you, you know, it, if it ever happens, it it has to be a long way off because the technical challenges involved. Um, you know, Ubuntu Core works to a certain extent because so much has been modified and adapted to make it work um, in the limited, not limited, but in the the set of um, circumstances it's been designed to run in. And I can see that expanding, you know, to make it more friendly on the Raspberry Pi, for example, or to run headless. Um, but yeah, I, I, if, if it happens at, at all, I and mean, it, it's going to require some serious engineering. I get the point. It was stupid. There's no need to keep rubbing <laughs> it in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so you said that Steam Linux active daily users will triple as Proton takes effect. And I had predicted on Linux Action News that it would get up to 5%. Yeah, well. Uh, it was around just less than 1%, and it remains about there. Yeah, it went from about 650,000 to about 729,000. So, shite. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, so you were saying actual numbers rather than percentage, because... Yes, because I thought, well, I don't want to be affected by the number of Windows users, because that, sure, they could double windows users and fuck the percentages up so i thought ah i will go with actual numbers um and yeah that didn't fucking work either so so how much has it increased by then about a hundred thousand uh yeah hundred twenty thousand, roughly yeah well that's not bad i mean it's still a piss in the ocean but so apparently my maths is really bad eighty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay well god damn it it's still a fair number of users i suppose it would have been one more had they not broken gta 5 on me back in i don't know late august stupid fucking update from Va- uh not valve the other guys who make it rockstar yeah rockstar they have they brought out their own launcher and then that broke it and i've been unable to play it ever since i mean you can see valve diligently working away on the bug trying to fix it but yeah stuff like that doesn't help well, it's a good job you weren't playing any EA games, eh? Because otherwise yeah. you get banned from playing that. <laughs> True. Okay, this episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. Go to do.co slash LNL and you can get $50 credit with 30 days to use it. DigitalOcean offers VMs, or droplets as they call them, with full root access in data centers all over the world with really fast networking and super fast SSDs. And they offer Ubuntu, Fedora, Debian, CentOS, and FreeBSD and some container distros. But if you don't want to use one of those, you can upload your own custom image. They have loads of one-click apps like LAMP and LEMP stacks, WordPress, Discourse, GitLab, and it's really easy to set up. These droplets start from as little as $5 a month, 
and they scale all the way up to multiple cores and huge amounts of RAM and disk space. And they also have CPU-optimized droplets if you want just raw power and memory-optimized droplets if you need more of that. They have really simple backups that have saved my bacon once or twice and cloud firewalls that can stop network traffic before it even gets to your VM. It's really simple to add extra storage to your droplet, whether that is block storage or object storage, depending on your needs. So go to do.co slash LNL and get your $50 credit. That's do.co slash LNL. Um, all right, well, in what I can only describe as a Crichton-style smug mode, <laughs> we get to my predictions. You're a smeeg uh, <laughs> So two new Raspberry Pis, one $35 with two gigs of RAM and one for $50 plus and no Risk Five Pi this year. Okay, I wasn't exactly right, but you have to give me a point for that. No, I think it's half a point at best. Fix. Come on. I mean, one for $50 plus, that was correct. Yeah, and the other one wasn't, so there we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you did really well with this. I really thought you, you called it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just didn't think that it was time yet for Raspberry Pi to release a, you know, a, whole, a whole new, basically, system on a chip, effectively. Yeah, and that's what I said in the prediction as part of it, that this would have to be based on a new SOC, and... I was just completely fucking right. It just that one little detail. At least you're modest. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. The, the $35 one is only one gig of RAM. Um, but yeah, I was just totally right. Thank you very much. So I'm calling that a complete win. And then I went for a very, very easy second prediction. And that is that Microsoft won't release a desktop Linux distro. I'd heard a lot of chatter about that. They'd been messing around with their... Um, Azure IoT distro and stuff. So they, they do have a Linux distro, but I said, no way they're going to do a Linux one. Because people keep saying that they're going to uh, put a Windows-type shell on top of a Linux kernel, and like some of the userland stuff might be proprietary. But I've always said that's just bullshit. They're not going to do that. And sure enough, I was correct. <laughs> so there we go. So clearly, I am the winner, because you lot were all wrong about all of yours, and I was right about both of mine. So. Fair cop. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fair enough. Well done, Joe. Yes. On to a bit of admin then. And first of all, thank you everyone for supporting us on PayPal and Patreon. It's very much appreciated. You can go to latenightlinux.com slash support if you want to join those people. And remember that if you support us for $5 or more on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. And if you want to get in touch with us, latenightlinux.com slash contact. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. And they are a dedicated Linux computer seller based here in the UK. They ship their computers with Ubuntu or Ubuntu Mate 1804. And they've got a huge range of laptops and some desktops and servers. And almost everything is configurable in terms of RAM and CPUs and storage. And they've recently refreshed the 14-inch Apollo, which is well worth looking at. I've got the slightly older version now, which I love. But now they offer the 10th generation Intel processors and up to 64 gigabytes of RAM. So you can just go crazy with your VMs. Like I said, they've got a huge range all the way from affordable stuff all the way up to real powerhouses. So you're bound to find something to suit your needs. And if you can't find something exactly right, then do get in touch with them and they can sort you out a custom order. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. And if you do buy one of the machines, there's a little drop down at checkout. You can say that Late Night Linux sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. So our 2020 predictions then. I still can't believe that it's 2020, but there we go. 
So, Phanim, let's start with you, because you were the first to put one in the dock. And you said ZFS re-license, presumably to something more Linux-friendly. Yeah, I think... Um I think Oracle, I mean, Oracle has been a bit of a tool with the whole Google fight that they're getting on with the API for Java and stuff. And ironically, I read something today about the fact that they implement S3, the AWS uh, storage backend stuff themselves. So, you know, they're kind of in a, a position against each other. And I think that maybe they'll see a bit of sense. Um, I, obviously that is clutching at absolute massive straws here, but I think they will see a bit of sense in the fact that they could get a lot of street cred for a product, which is essentially in Linux full time. ZFS on Linux is the default ZFS that you're going to use. And, you know, I think they'll just create a new version of Cuddle, like Cuddle, I don't know, what is it, two at the moment or three? Increment it by one and just make it compatible to be like a BSD style or something, I don't know, or completely relicense it. But the only real reason to do this is to get it into RHEL because Ubuntu are already doing it. Yeah, but they're already, you know, they're not providing, they're not, it's not like they're chasing people for lawsuits. So if they're leaving it there, it's of no legal value if you don't chase up on it. I mean, you can't just let something submarine sit there for ages and then do nothing for about 20 years and then go, ha-ha. Uh, you have to actually make use and defend the, the thing. So if they're not doing that already, what, what are they doing with it? It's pointless. And I can't see the value in, in holding it away. It's not like everybody's ignoring ZFS. It's been used proper in lots of places, so... I think I think I think there's goodwill to be had because let's face it, they've been out in the news, except for a shitey lawsuit where they've been dicks. Uh, this is of course a personal opinion. And um <laughs> you know, I I just think they have to do something and uh, you know the you know the way most of these people work, they just they'd like to sort of do a bit of PR now and again. I think it's a perfect one. Mm, well, I could see it, but um, no, I'm gonna say that I I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I look forward to collecting the point. <laughs> Did somebody buy you the difference between God and Larry Ellison for Christmas? <laughs> no, and I don't want to hear any of your disparaging remarks. <laughs> okay, uh, your second one then. The .org sale will be cancelled. So the Number Resource Organization have written to uh, ICANN uh, with their sale to PIR and Ethos Capital for the .org registry. And reading various articles for behind-the-scenes stuff, it looks to have been really shady how this is done. Um, and I don't know whether the term insider trading makes place, but if many of the people knew this was going to happen and they were able to purchase it at a reduced price straight away, I think I think there's got to be something in a bylaw somewhere that's going to come up with this. And I think there'll either be a legal case or it's just going to be cancelled outright for a breach of contract prior to the sale. I've not been following this very closely. I've been reading it a little bit. The EFF published a couple of articles about it. Um, so I don't know enough of the details to know whether you're right or not, but it, it does seem like it is starting to go that way. It seemed like a dead cert at first, but now there seems to be enough opposition and controversy that it may not happen. So I'm going to have to take your word on this one. 
Yeah, I don't know enough legal dealings or business speak, but yeah, something's going to go down and it's not going to go ahead. That's what I think. I like the way that your predictions are basically like a, a dream list of wishes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, yeah, I, I'm not even started. <laughs> yeah, because in a flagrant flouting of the rules, you've put three in again. And the third one is that Facebook will be regulated and broken up and Google tainted. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, if you're going to have wishes, there might as well be good ones. <laughs> but there's, there's no Trump stuff there. There's no Boris getting horrifically wounded in some sort of freak accident. I think I'm being fairly reasonable. I, I don't know. I don't think this will happen. Um, if anything, it would happen next year if Warren wins the election, which she's not going to because Trump's going to win. So... It seems very, very unlikely that this will happen. It should happen, probably. But, um, nah, I think uh, old Zuckerberg's going to be trucking on business as usual. Yeah, I'm not sure, because there was a, even more Cambridge Analytica stuff got released there last week. Um, and it's clear that they actually knew well ahead of time whether Zuckerberg did, I don't know. I'm sure he cannot recall. And I don't know. I think I think... At a certain point, the evidence stacks up and somebody somewhere, not necessarily have to be the president to be able to pull these things off, but I just, surely common sense could come around. Mm, maybe, we'll see. All right, so Graham, you said that Matrix will break through. Yeah, so this is obviously going to be a difficult one to measure. So I'm going to say that, you know, Matrix, the Matrix team itself puts out some kind of post saying, you know, our success in 2020 has been unprecedented. Um, and that's because I think, you know, the federating, federated messaging, which is what Matrix does, is it needs some kind of momentum to become successful. The problem we've had with social networks and everything for, for ages, for a decade or more. Um, Mozilla's replacing its IRC with a matrix and matrix solves a problem in an open source and federated way that I think a, a lot of us face. Um, and I know Canonical, for example, we use, um, IRC and there isn't an easy replacement for IRC. Lots of people use Slack. It's closed source. There are open source equivalents, even though they, they kind of rely on some kind of paid licensing model as well. Um, but a lot of us don't like Slack because of the amount of distraction it brings. Um, and owning a solution in the same way that you can own IRC. Admittedly, I still like IRC. Um, in the way that you can own Matrix, I think makes it a great contender for like the future of an ISC equivalent, but also write IM and all that kind of stuff. I think um, it's complicated to understand. So when somebody like Mozilla gets behind it and makes it um, more acceptable and accessible, I think it, it's just going to accelerate its, it's going to leverage its um, synergy. Yeah. Yeah. That seems reasonable. You seem to have put about four predictions in here. Wow. So uh, yeah, I think there's a bit, I think there's a, a so kind of related to Matrix, even though it's not related technically, was the Godot um, games engine seems to be reaching a similar kind of turning point in in, and this is significant because if you want to get into games design, you kind of you you maybe put your even though Unity and Unreal, um, a popular games engine environments to develop in, are free to use until you start making money with the games that you produce, um, you're, you're investing your skill set in proprietary products. And this is, I think, what made Blender so successful in that, and Linux itself, in that you can, they, those products don't move on when they're open source without your say so or without your understanding of where the, the project's going. And of course, you can always fork it and make changes yourself if you need to. And Godot, like, 
like Matrix seems to be reaching some kind of critical mass where it's going to become kind of dominant and and hopefully get further investment than it got in 29 and maybe more sponsorship and more assets for it. So it was kind of linked to the first story and that I don't think it was unique enough to be on its own. There are no degrees of uniqueness. Yeah. And uh, also I've got a really highbrow joke for you. God, I think you'll be waiting for that. (laughs) 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 Yeah, seems reasonable though. Yeah, I don't don't think uh, you are too far wrong with that and I hope you're right. Um, all right, so your second proper one is Raspberry Pi creates a new product range. Yeah, so I've stolen this off you. I thought you had so much success with it in 2019. <laughs> I think it's time now for the Raspberry Pi Foundation to broaden its remit from... It does a brilliant job with the Raspberry Pi. Part of its success, its success has been because it's a single platform, the same GPIO configuration, more or less. Um, all that kind of important stuff. But especially I mentioned here FPGA and microcontrollers. I think there's room for it to kind of branch into supporting territory um, in open source um, my, um, hardware. Um, and I think it's a good year to do that. Um, I do mention RISC-V, but that's something that you mentioned, RISC-V. That's something that you mentioned last year as well. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stealing your thunder a little bit and thinking that they'll do a sideways project to, uh, to the Raspberry Pi itself this year. It does make me worry a little bit for Arduino. Um, it feels like Raspberry Pi have got the sort of critical mass behind them. Um, I know that Arduino is is as big, if not bigger, but it, it, the way that they go about their business and the way that they present themselves doesn't feel as polished and as um, friendly as Raspberry Pi do. Uh, and yeah, I, I would be a little bit worried that Raspberry Pi could muscle in on, on Arduino's territory and um, and sort of take market share away from them. I only worry because I think Arduino have done a good job for a long time and, and it would be a shame to see them go away. Yeah, you're right. I, th- I feel exactly the same. I mean, Arduino has also been very brave in open sourcing everything and you get all the clones and lots of people, you know, part of its success is because you can get $2 versions from China with Wi-Fi on. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, so I suppose I hope that the Raspberry Pi Foundation works with Arduino. Maybe they have been. Maybe that'd mm. be nice, an Arduino-Raspberry Pi Ooh, Foundation yeah. collaboration. <laughs> I think that Raspberry Pi will um, branch out a bit though. So yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. Could well happen. So, Will, what's your first one then? Yeah, last year we saw a few occurrences of um, people within the open source community rising up against something that they saw uh, another member of the open source community was doing wrong. Um, And it felt like last year we saw more of that than than at any time previously. Uh, And people were much more public about airing their dirty laundry um, and quite pointed with where they lay the blame. Um, And that worries me. I think it sets a dangerous precedent. And I think we're likely to see more and more of that now. Now the the idea is out there that that this can be done and is acceptable. I think we're going to see more and more of it. Uh, And ultimately, I think that this will lead to more and more fragmentation, more and more uh, infighting, more and more turf wars, uh, and we'll be back to the sort of bad old days of um, of Linux desktops. Uh, and I think that this ultimately will lead to people just not being asked anymore uh, and walking away from open source projects that they've been involved in um, for years and years, purely because they can't be bothered dealing with the the sort of um, the petty squabbles that uh, that people are now having. 
This sounds like you have some experience with this, Will. (laughs) Keep it light, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I think you're right that we might see some, as you put in the doc, high-profile developers spending more time with their family. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly hope it doesn't come to it, but... um, yeah, I don't know. This is me uh, standing on my soapbox now, and I just just don't do it. Just be nice to each other and pull together and stop this sort of petty squabbling. It's uh, there's no there's no place for it in our community. All right. So your second one, Microsoft will add Linux support to their family computer management system. I've never even heard of that. Well, no, nor had I. Um, so it has been brought to my attention that our children spend far too much time playing games on their tablets and that I ought to do something about it. Oh, you monster. Well, <laughs> they, they need to learn. They need to learn to police themselves. But apparently that doesn't really wash. So what I've been doing is looking at the various ways of restricting the amount of time that my kids spend doing certain things on their tablets. Um, And, you know, I bought my son a a gaming PC, which runs Windows uh, for Christmas. Um, I've got my gaming PC under the desk that the kids like to use. They stream it to the big telly in the lounge via Steam Link. Uh, And I need to enforce my iron fist on their enjoyment. Um, And so I started exploring what the options were. And as far as I can tell, there are none that are cross-platform, that include Linux, that will work on Android and uh, Linux. And there are ones that support uh, Android and Windows, made by Microsoft, and I'm sure there are many others. But none of them seem to support Linux. And that seems like a massive gap in the market. Um, And I think Microsoft are savvy enough about the desktop, uh, the Linux desktop environment that it wouldn't be too difficult for them to port some kind of agent over to Linux uh, and mop up some of that market. I think it's a really great idea. I've, I've, it's a real shame that there's not an open source project like this. I'm, I completely agree. I have the same problem. Um, I know there's Disney Circle, which is like built into the router firmware. So it'd be fantastic if there was an open source project that was kind of built into open WRT or something like mm. that that could, um, you could, you could do it that way rather than running something on a desktop. Mm. You could just give them a clip around the ear. <laughs> You're not allowed anymore. Are you? Good job. I'm not a dad. Well, that's it. The equivalent now is stopping Netflix for a few days. Yeah. Ooh, a few days. Take their phone Jesus. away from them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't think the Linux desktop market is big enough to justify Microsoft doing this, really, because all of the stuff that they've done for desktop Linux has been related to developers because they want to push them onto Azure, whereas I suppose they all have families, or most of them do. But... Mm, I'm, I'm not having it, I'm afraid, Will. This is not going to happen. Well, hopefully somebody will take this idea and do something with it. Yeah, it seems like Prime for an open source uh, project, but I don't think that Microsoft will do it. Right, so on to my winning ones for next year then. <laughs> I think that websites other than Pharonix will start to cover clear Linux. That's weird, I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah, this was stolen from Chris from his 2019 predictions, and it didn't happen then, but I think it will happen this year. If you look at any Pharonix benchmarking article, Clear Linux wins every fucking time because it is just so fast. There was one recently on the new AMD uh, processor that's $50, which is going after the real low-end stuff, and even on the AMD low-end processor, it still kicked everyone else's ass. It is a good distro, but no one seems to talk about it. And I think that it's going to get more attention. And um, I think 
other sites like ours and, and the register or whatever are going to start picking up some stories about it. I mean, I presume neither of you three have even ever tried it. No. Nope. No. I've never tried it. No, but I think that you will give it a go because it will start to get more um, publicity and more traction because it is, from what I've seen of it, a very good distro. And I don't know if the Intel thing might put people off, but... Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I know that you're an AMD fanboy, but even on your AMD machine, it will still run much quicker than Ubuntu or whatever, and it's rolling. Yeah, but I mean, how, how, how quickly? Like, at what point is the quick... Is it the booting speed? Is it everything? It's everything from what I've seen of the benchmarks. It sounds like Gen 2, and it sounds like you're compiling from stage one and everybody's got fucking tea trays in the back of their cars and lights underneath. <laughs> I mean, like, really, like, really, like, how quick fucking is it? Like, do we really care? Oh, no, I've saved a second on this query I've done, but yet I'm now going to connect to the internet with my shitty slow connection anyway, so. Well, put it this way. I don't think that the kind of people who sit on an Ubuntu LTS like me are going to use it. But I think people who are using Arch might move over to it because one of the great things about Arch is it's really fast and it's also really up to date. But how will they tell people that they're running? Like, <laughs> what's got, I just don't understand. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I think the new, actually, I run Arch, or by the way, I run Arch, is going to be, by the way, I run Clear Linux. Oh, clear, oh that's too much of a mouthful. That, that's, it's not quick enough to say. They'd have to change the name. Well, I could just call it Clear. I think that, yeah, it'll get big <laughs> oh, enough okay. that people just call it Clear. Doesn't sound Masonic enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see about that one. And so f I literally could not think of a second one. I was racking my brains, and I had one uh, in reserve that I really didn't want to use because it's such a cop-out, because it's so fucking obvious. But I'm afraid I'm going to have to go with it. Canonical will announce the IPO this year. I don't think it'll happen um, because it takes a while and whatnot. But I think by the end of the year, they will have announced that it is going to happen in 2021. I think we've had some form of this prediction for the last <laughs> five years or whatever. Yeah, but I'm telling you that it's going to happen now, this this year. It's going to be announced this year anyway. I will counter that and say that it won't happen. In fact, he'll get private investment and carry on. Well, Will and Graham, I don't expect you to comment on this because you are a little bit too close to it. Um so I'll have to ask you off air or something what you think. <laughs> I can't believe they said that in the break. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so there we have it. That's the things that are definitely not going to happen from the others and things that will definitely happen from me. <laughs> uh, and I will win again. But we'll see. Uh, so we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming next time in a couple of weeks. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later.